0: My sermon today is entitled, Now the Work of Christmas Begins. At the beginning of a new year, it is customary for each of us to greet one another with Happy New Year. We give that greeting on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, but on this second Sunday of a new year, are we still saying it? Of course, there are a lot of things that we can be unhappy about. Most of us, no doubt, thought that by now, the COVID pandemic would really be behind us, only to be shocked by the Omicron variant and its spread. Inflation is a problem for many, particularly those who live paycheck to paycheck. Concerns for our democratic way of life are real because of the attack on our nation's capital last year on January 6th. And we are disheartened by all the political divisions and vitriol that continue to plague our great country. Regardless of conditions, however, we do want to be happy. Is there anyone here who does not want to be happy in this new year? A teacher of a young adult class asked the students to write their answers to the question, What do you want most of life? Nine out of ten answered happiness. Psychology Today magazine took a poll of 40,000 readers. 83 percent responded that their main question was, how can I find real happiness? If anyone should be happy, it is a Christian. But Is the average Christian known for his or her joy? Many think of a Christian in terms of solemnity, seriousness, even severity. Christians have good reason to be some of the happiest people in the world. Their happiness is not based on the condition of the world, but upon the condition of the heart. They are happy because of God, not because of the state of humanity. This is brought out by our Old Testament text from Isaiah on this second Sunday of the new year. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God. Be happy about what? Isaiah says, be happy in the Lord. Rejoice in my God. This is no ordinary happiness. With this in mind, I like the list of resolutions prepared by Reverend Walter Scholded. He calls them the seven ups for the new year. No, this is nothing to do with the soft drink. These seven ups fall under the heading of attitudes and actions. The first is wake up. It begins, begin the new day with the Lord. It is His day. Rejoice in it. The second is dress up. Put on a smile. It improves your looks. It says something about your attitude. The third is shut up. Watch your tongue. Don't gossip. Say nice things. Learn to listen. The fourth is stand up. Take a stand for what you believe. Resist evil. Do good. Five, look up. Open your eyes to the Lord. After all, he is your Savior. Six, reach up. Spend time in prayer, your adorations, confessions, thanksgivings, and supplications to the Lord. And finally, lift up. Be available to help those in need, serving, supporting, and sharing. Why do we bother making New Year's resolutions in the first place? Why do we feel this need each January to set new goals? Maybe it is because resolutions help us to identify our priorities. They answer the question, how do I want to invest my time, energy, money, and talents in this new year? The new year reminds us that time is passing. It is up to each of us to maximize the potential of every moment. Our scripture reading from Matthew's gospel speaks to this. You know the original story of the call of Jesus' early disciples? As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, Matthew tells us he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This was an invitation to movement, motion, and mission. The lives of those fishermen were never the same. It is true for all men and women who came under the influence of the life of Jesus and still does. The call of Jesus transformed them, and nothing was ever the same. This has been true throughout the ages. Everywhere where people faithfully answered the call to follow him, people found real meaning and a higher purpose for their lives that ennobled them and made the world a better place in which to live. This is our calling today. It is to be Christ's body, the church, as individuals who major in discipleship. We are to be disciples, people who serve, witness, believe, hope, give, and represent Jesus Christ in this world. As William Temple, a Christian leader earlier in this century, said, Christ wrote no book. He left in the world as his witnesses, a body of men and women on whom his spirit came. Jesus was always on the move, one step ahead, and he's one step ahead of us. From the moment he left John the Baptist's nurturing presence, Jesus immediately hits the road. In Galilee, he continues to encourage his disciples to join him in this journey, not as a journey that transverses new terrain, but a journey that forms new faith. Jesus constantly challenges his followers to step over the line, over the line between Judea and Galilee, over the line between Galilee and Samaria, over the line between Jew and Gentile, over the line between pure and impure, over the line between male and female, and over the line from all other divisions that create exclusion, prejudice, and animosity among people. Wherever and whenever Jesus called others to come and follow him, he was always asking them to step forward in faith. But as all four of the Gospels affirm in one way or the other, the journey of discipleship, This pilgrimage of following Jesus was a painstakingly step-by-step undertaking. No matter how much territory is covered, following Jesus was a series of off-balance, unsure baby steps that stumbled along until after the Pentecost gift of the Spirit that Cause the followers and enable them to move faster. What kind of steps does Jesus call us to take today? We might not be jogging through Judea, walking through Samaria, ambling across the ends of the earth, but we are all on a faith journey that requires negotiating some hazardous, challenging terrain. Like Jesus' very first disciples, our own step-by-step faith journey involves learning to move forward in a determined and in a timely way. Too often, however, we get distracted from our true purpose in life. We get far away from the source that gives us life, fuels our spirit, and reveals our soul. We wander and forget That is why we read the Bible, pray, join together in Sunday school or small group study, and worship together in the sanctuary or now online. To remember who we are and whose we are is important and vital not only for our own spiritual nourishment, but also for our mission in the world. I read a story about a man who painted lines in the middle of the road in the days in which they did it by hand. He was entered into a contest. The first day, he painted five miles of line, which was a new world record. The next day, he painted only 500 feet. The next day, just 27 feet. Someone asked why and the painter replied i keep getting further and further away from the bucket with all the troubles and distracted distractions of our modern age it is so easy to wander away from the very source that gives us life and fuels our very being we then wander too far from the things that are most important Jesus invites us to live our lives by keeping our eyes firmly fixed on ultimate concerns rather than on passing fancy. He calls us to live by the calendar of faith rather than by the clock of fads. He invites us to live lives fixed on the importance of persons above possessions. He invites us to live in the theater with a large screen, not in the daily snapshots that are trimmed to fit our wallets. And so, as we have just begun this new year of 2022, let us remember the words of Howard Thurman. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, When the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, and to make music in the heart. May it be so with each and every one of us. Amen.